Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? Merlin, man. Uh, things are going good. I'm uh, I'm I'm sitting here dressed in my uh, my Hawkeye Pierce outfit, <laughs> which is to say a a wet kimono, <laughs> a, a baseball hat from Merrill Field Airport. Hmm. Um, some slip uh, UGG slippers. Ugh, are you are you recently bathed? Yeah, I just got out of the bathtub. Can I got t- out of the t- bathtub specifically to do this podcast. My God, the things that you give up for this, John. I know. Do you want some time to find some kind of thirstier apparel? No, no, I'm fine. I'm just, you know, I'm I'm off gassing a little bit and uh, just uh, just getting in the zone. Mm. Is it like silky? My skin. <laughs> mm. Your your kimono. Oh uh, no, it's a uh, you know it's a cotton kimono. Hmm. A, a, you know, it's just various shades of blue flowers, large blue flowers. I, uh, I'm not, I'm not, um, I really, here's what I want. I want to live in a world where I dress in kimonos, but I do not live in that world. It's another world I want to live in that I don't live in. What you mean like where people wouldn't look askance? Like if you go to the bank to cash a check and you're wearing a wet kimono, nobody's going to say anything. <laughs> well, you know, I wouldn't wear a wet kimono to the bank. Not a first. But like a big, like a big kimono and some like wooden sandals <laughs> and just sort of, you know, but not, I wouldn't have a top knot or anything. I'd be no. wearing a baseball hat like a normal guy, <laughs> but just like in a, in a serious warrior kimono. But why, you know, people would, people would give, give me the hairy eyeball and I, I get that enough. <sighs> And now, is that, is that your typical bet? I'm sorry, I don't, I don't mean to... I, I'm interested in robes. Yeah, me. Oh, me too. Yeah. Because, I don't know, I feel I feel kind of guilty when I'm wearing a robe for too long. Really? Not, well, guilty is the wrong word. I feel self-conscious. Yeah, right. Sure. Indulgent. I guess, yeah. And so, is this the usual... Is this the robe, if, I, if you can say, is this the robe that you would use to prowl your perimeter carrying a sword? No, no. Let me walk you through the robes. Okay. The... Uh, the the longest robe, the longest standing robe, if not the longest in length, is a, a, a Pendleton robe that belonged to my dad uh, that is made out of, like, the, scra- the scratchiest wool. You would, not, you would not make a blanket for a horse out of this wool. It is so scratchy. But for some reason, Pendleton made it into a robe probably in the 40s. My dad had this his whole life. And then I stole it from him, and, and it was an expression of, like, it, 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 literally a hair shirt i would put on this robe and it then and then you're you're like a wet horse at that point <laughs> it's the and opposite it, of getting comfortable yeah you would be in a scratchy robe and you would walk around and kind of feel like yes, yes if, you, that, if you've had some corporeal sins through the day hmm? but you'd like to relax and, and play some video games you put on your uh, your horse hair shirt your horse robe yeah i i it's like the bath soothes you and then like jumping into a cold pond you jump into a, a harsh robe, mm. totally harsh robe. Uh, so then I, so, uh, then sometime as a, after I grew to adulthood, I was like, I don't have to wear this robe all the time. This is a robe to wear over silk pajamas where the scratchiness of it isn't a factor. Oh. So then I got a, a white terry cloth robe like you would steal from a hotel. Mm-hmm. That's what I have. Yeah. And I wore that for a long time, except the sleeves were too short. Okay. 
So then I bought a blue terry cloth robe and I made the classic mistake. I do this all the time. I bought a double XL thinking that the sleeves were too short in the old robe. I'm going to get a double XL and, um, and that's going to, you know, that's going to fit me properly. But in fact, uh, in fact, I look like Rasputin in this thing. The sleeves are four feet too long. It's made for a 500-pound man. <laughs> that's comfort country. <laughs> but that is the robe. That, that's the category area, though. You think it's going to be more comfortable because it's really big, but, but that's a little too big. Yeah, exactly. You got, like wizard sleeves. But it, wizard sleeves. I mean, uh, uh, Peter the Great would, would lop off my beard if he caught me in this robe. <laughs> But uh, but this is the robe I wear out into the yard. This is the yard robe. <laughs> okay. Because it wraps around you like a Snuggie. It's like going out into the yard, uh, like in a terry cloth house. <laughs> and and it's also midnight It's blue. like a cotton yurt. Yeah, it's like, exactly. I could pull it up over my head and build a cooking fire. Uh, but it's midnight blue also, so it <laughs> that blends. That sounds like something like Hamaker or Schlemmer would come up with for Christmas time. I, I forget what the brand of this thing is, but it's it's something like that. It's 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 design. It's basically designed for you and a friend. Uh, hmm. But it, it's uh, I have tested it, and raccoons cannot see it. It's huh. like it's like uh, a certain color, and it has a kind of shark skin quality that <laughs> raccoons just think it's like leaves blowing in the wind. That's handy, and they'll walk right up on you. Because sometimes and, you want to be seen, but then other times you want to be able to move with some stealth if you want to do some uh, reconnaissance. Exactly. Exactly. I've and then a, the, kimono, um, the kimonos are a recent. I've just been. I've started collecting. That's just for John time. Yeah, that's just exactly. That's for me. I've got a. Um, well, this is not very interesting, but uh, yeah, we went to uh, on our honeymoon. We went on the honey on our honeymoon with our moms, and uh, <laughs> and uh, the, we we liked the uh, robes so much that our moms on the sly uh, bought us the fancy Aww. robes. Yeah, that was at some Victorian guest house. Guest house. It was like a guest house. Up in uh, Sonoma County, or you're something. you're good. Yeah, it was like a. It was God. That place is amazing, but I yeah, I, I feel real, um, real girly in it, or or oh. I feel feeble. Oh, I've not. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I get by, but yeah. yeah, it's very big, very thirsty, very comfortable. It's nice for coming out of the shower, but would right. you let me let me ask you this? Your, yeah. your your office is within a block of your house. Would you walk to your office from your house in this robe? Oh my gosh, that is such a good question. Right. Because I wasn't going to say anything, but I'm, hmm, I should cut this out. I have noticed, it was occurring to me today when I came to the office, and it, I don't like to, you know, you know how triangulation works. You don't like sure. to say too much. Sure, sure, sure. But I measured uh, the time that it took when I got this office, and I could easily listen to, to uh, like, basically the first two verses of Thunder Road is the amount of time it takes me mm-hmm. to go between the two places. <laughs> I know you're a fan. Right. right. And, uh it's very, very close. And it occurred to me that like, I've been at resorts and large hotels where it would take me far more time to walk to the lobby of the hotel than it takes me. Sometimes I got to go and I got to do an internet thing, right? like a TV related thing. That's all I'm going to say. I got to go do something at the office. And I have to tell you, it, this has only really happened in the last two to three weeks. And I, I, I'm saying way too much. My sartorial decisions for ambling toward the office are getting uh-huh. more and more informal. <laughs> and I don't know why it's so. This is funny timing because, like, for the last whatever four four years I've had this office, I would always you know get dressed like a gentleman to go to yeah. the office. I would put on my holy pants or whatever. But yeah, I have to tell you, like, 
uh, I've been sliding into sweatpants territory to, right. to go to the office. Well, everybody on that block has seen you go by a million times. They they know you you belong there. That's so, so freaky when that happens. So why not start just wearing a garbage bag with armholes? <laughs> To, it doesn't to, breathe to, to make that trip. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, that's funny. You should say that too, because I, I've also noticed more often people saying things like, Oh, I saw you the other day. Uh-huh. Like my lady at the KFC, she'll say, I, I, I see you walking by. And I, it never occurs to me that people can see me walking by. So I don't even know who sees me. And I've been, I, I've been here long enough now that people have probably seen me, but people have seen you, but I, I think I turned a corner in the last week or so. I was really, really, I think, yeah, I'm, Obviously, I mentioned the last week. I was really, really sick a week ago today. Yeah. And um, I think my standards slipped even further. I did something I never, ever, ever do. And now I'm definitely saying too much. I started going to the office without my wallet. Oh, sure. Why would you need it? I've got my phone. I'm listening because I'm usually listening to you know music or a podcast, and uh, that's in a jacket sleeve uh, or jacket pocket because you know I'm wearing sweatpants. But then I, I don't even bother. I just my question, John, is like, where will I be in say two and a half months? Right. Well, that's what I'm, you know, it's just going to be you in rollerblades with a dish towel wrapped around your waist. That's a good, that's a smart look. <laughs> but the thing is going to the office without your wallet, that, that puts you in a problematic situation. What if you suddenly need two chili dogs? That's a really gotta, good point. You yeah. You go back to the house. Do you keep a, do you keep a bucket of change there at the desk? It's not, it's not, and the money thing is, is that that's a very good question. It's not even the money thing. It's that, and I, I, I berate my beloved wife about this because she just like sometimes goes out of the house without her all of the kit. And I'm a big believer, you know, I carry a backpack, a giant backpack everywhere I go. I've always got everything with me. I've got several forms of identification. I've got cash. I've got cards. I've always got, I have several, if you want to talk about it, I have several heuristics for making sure I don't lose things that are (laughs) extremely interesting. Do you have mnemonics? Yeah, I got mnemonics, mnemonics, mnemonics. I do. Actually, I have several, I have several mnemonics involving keys if you'd like to learn them. Uh, and because my biggest fear, but luckily, and boy, I'm really saying too much now. The door of my office requires a key to get in. Sure. And then when I get in, I lock the door with the same key. So that's a mnemonic right there. Right. Right. It's called a life hack. Uh-huh. It's called a life one hack. One key. It's because the one key life hack. Yeah, the Uno Yave. And I, <laughs> and, but, uh, but no, I, I guess I, I think about it and you know how it is with life and substances where you, something starts out really simple and then you find yourself challenging yourself. Mm-hmm. That idea of like, can I throw the beanbag a little bit further this time? And I'm just wondering, I wonder if I will get to a point, maybe we should probably capture this for later and circle barefoot, back. Barefoot, barefoot. I think you're going to make that walk barefoot next time. I've had, I, 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 I did barefoot for a while in college. I've done barefoot. But are you going to make that particular walk barefoot? I think the question, no, knowing you know what you know about your neighborhood. <laughs> Let's cut to the chase. How long <laughs> will it be before I put on a comfortable, warm jacket and walk to the office in my underwear? Is the question. <laughs> long t-shirt, nothing else. Yeah, a guy can yeah. do that. Now, if yeah. a lady walked, if a lady walked to her office, I don't want to be normative, but if a lady walked to her office in underwear, that would seem like a penthouse forum thing. Listen, my favorite thing in the world is. A lady in a trench coat with nothing else on. Have you ever gotten that? I mean, I don't want to have to cut this all out. Okay. But, uh, you know, that I have used a, to lyri- be, that I have used a lyric to be, in a song. That used about- to be a special thing. Which song? If you can say. Oh, it's in, uh, it, well, it's in an unreleased song, but it's in uh, Not Moving to Portland. Oh, that's a good song. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know. I... 
Mm-hmm. You know what? We'll probably do an off, what we call an offline follow up about this because I'm not mm-hmm. sure I, I want to triangulate any more than I have at this point. I'm probably hexagonalating. Sure. But uh, I have a feeling I'm knowing how I am and knowing you know you know how I am. You know how I'm scared of everything. Well, yeah. Remember yeah. the shirt you suggested for me? Uh-huh. <laughs> Was it driven by fear? Was that the shirt you thought I should get? <laughs> In very very tiny letters. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't want people to be able to read it, yeah. but that's Driven my fear. But in but in uh, those uh, like dripping paint letters, really small dripping paint letters. What do you mean, like 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 eighties roller skating letters? Yeah, those iron letters? on dripping paint letters from the mall. <laughs> <laughs> like a little kitty cat on a branch. Friday's coming. I but I could see myself pushing myself to that and saying because you know how it is. It's like procrastination. It's mm-hmm. like any kind of like like substance abuse or anything where you get away with something for a while. You eventually you gotta see how far you can. I may I may tonight just walk home with my wang out just to see if I can do it. I mean, you know, at a certain hour there is nothing. I mean, I have I've made a practice of wandering around sort of the, my local neighborhood in nothing but a bathrobe and a sword. Yeah, and I find it incredibly liberating. But would I get into the car in a bathrobe and a sword? No. First of all, no. I know why. See, I, I think this is something we have in common. Is is and, and I, I I I would like to think that this drives your mates as crazy as it drives my mates. But I really like to walk through. I like to think through. Like if we're driving somewhere, okay, well we better bring a blanket because what if something right. happens with the car? That's what exactly if we're stuck right. out there? We should have some energy bars, sure, and some gallons if- of water. What if somebody T-bones the car and you're the only one and everyone else is knocked unconscious and you have to escape through a side window? Yes. Are you going to get your fucking bathrobe tangled in the rearview mirror? It seems so simple. You could drive naked for years and never have a problem. And then one day you you realize you forgot your driver's license and now you're entering a world of pain. Yeah. You want to bring bring Yahtzee and water and, and be ready. This is why I don't get a belly button piercing. Uh, I've said it before. I don't want anything that could possibly get snagged if I have to go over a chain link fence. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I think you should make all of your life decisions based on, is there a chance I'm going to have to go over a chain link fence at some point today? Mm-hmm. And when I go walk around my perimeter in my bathrobe, I make sure I'm, there's never a fence between me and, and the front door behind which is my you know, small bag and my arsenal of medieval weapons. Oh, I so think that's smart. Even if you don't use goal. it, you know it's there. You know your the thing is you're mentally prepared. You know you even you know even if it doesn't come up, it may not come up for years, and then it may come up like three times in a couple of days because like Mossad is after you or something. They're, they're, I'm just saying. I get into this all the time with people and their stupid shoes. Ugh. It's like make your shoes as fancy as you want. I don't care. make them ten feet tall. Have a fish bowl in the soles, but if you cannot. Either get the heck out of those shoes in a hurry and, and, and make the pace or like make the pace in the shoes. But any, anytime I'm like walking around and all of a sudden I'm, I'm like holding hands with, with, a, with an Insta gimp, right? Like we look great <laughs> at the party. And then it's like, hey, we, it's like it's only two and a half blocks up and, uh, and a block and a half over to get to, the, get to the next party. And they're like, oh, and all of a sudden Insta gimp. And they're mm-hmm. just limping and their feet are bleeding. I broke my kitten heel. Like, how the fuck do you live in the world? Like your, your feet, your feet would have, you would have been fine in pretty much. I mean, the, 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 the great pantheon of women's shoes includes plenty of cute little shoes that can also be used to scale a fence. 
Let's That's be just, honest. There are a lot. Awesome. There's a lot of very handsome boots that a lady can wear that are that are that are, that are attractive and they're comfortable and they are they're ready for uh, evading Mossad if it comes well, up when it comes this, up. This is what I'm asking you, Merlin. Yes. High fashion for many 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 years. High fashion. I'm talking about like the the real high stuff. The Italian and French super, you know, like custom made fashion. Mm-hmm. Those crazies have been marching uh, their runway models up and down the up and down the street in logger boots for like thirty years now. There's there's nothing there's nothing new to it, right? Giant like Gene Simmons kiss boots and motorcycle boots. Why don't all women just take the cue that that is the best shoe? If you just have a knee high motorcycle boot, mm-hmm. it goes with everything. Right, it's black. Yeah. I don't understand. I don't. The, the, we have we have crossed this bridge and crossed it and crossed it and crossed it, and yet I keep seeing pumps. I keep seeing people choosing pumps. Well, you understand which, why that is. I mean, they're, they're, because they're, it makes your foot look like a. It makes a girl's foot look like a cloven hoof. Okay. Yeah, I guess that's right? way. doesn't it make their, doesn't it make them look well. Like, it makes it makes your butt stick out. You walk you walk cute. Oh, you look tall. There's a lot there's a lot of things to recommend them. But the problem is, it's one thing to be like in the court of Louis the what fourteenth. It's one thing to be in a Louis court where the whole idea is you are deliberately wearing completely impractical clothes. To show how powerful you are, right? To express your wealth and your and the fact that no one will require you to lift a thing, yeah. except your petticoats to go to the bathroom behind the curtain, or, or to hide a, a page or or a, oh, or a horseman. Yeah. Hello, could you hide under a petticoat? I saw I Doctor ha- Who where he he hid under a dress. I would happily hide under a petticoat, and this is the this is the how thing long I could love. you stand under there? Would you bring water? Depends on whose petticoat. Mm-hmm. I, I was thinking about this the other day. You know, I'm often bemoaning the fact that people dress so shabbily when there are so many wonderful ways to dress that are just as comfortable as shabby dressing. And I was, I was talking to my mom. I was reflecting on like, oh, you know, when you were a kid or back in the 40s, like everybody dressed great. And it was such a much better way of it's a, so much more, more, more beautiful world. When every all men are in suits and all women are in dresses, and it's just you know everybody's wearing a hat. It's like uh, I I long for it, even though I I only saw the tail end of it. And my mom and, said, and it, and it was real. I mean, if you look at newsreels up until Kennedy, every guy always wore a hat. Yeah, but what my mom said is what the photographs cannot convey is that everybody smelled to high heaven then, like it was before deodorant had been invented, <laughs> and so. The, so people You're like the opposite of Malcolm Gladwell. <laughs> so people doused themselves with perfumes and powders. So rich people smelled like Victoria's Secret dressing rooms, Ugh. and poor people just smelled like toilets. <laughs> and so everywhere you went, every public transportation, just walking down the sidewalk, you were just assaulted, constantly assaulted by uh, by poop and powder. Uh, and you know, now you could, you, when, when you're in a public space and there's somebody that smells strongly, either strongly of perfume or strongly of body odor, it, it stands out. You're like, Oh my God, you person, come on, get a grip. But my mom said back in, you know, back in the thirties and forties, like everybody just reeked. I bet part of that was you got, first of all, just let's step zero. You got wool. 
right? Mm. You had probably had a lot of stuff that had to be dry cleaned. You're wearing wool suits all year round. I think people owned fewer clothes then probably. Right. You had and like you took care of them and you mended them. Couple of suits, three or four suits if you were a normal person. I ordered I ordered twelve pairs of socks today from Amazon. Because it really is that simple. <laughs> and, and what 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 kind? Let's let's well, break it they're down. They're pretty pedestrian, so to speak. Yeah. Uh white gold toes. Is that no, the brand? Gold oh, toes. oh, white gold toes. Yeah, I was going on the ped thing. But you the, know, your, um, your, your good friend Jesse Thorne gave me a real lecture one time because I was wearing white gold toes with a suit. Yeah, well, he's got a lot of lectures in him. <laughs> we, I, I checked, though, and the last time that I bought uh, um, one of my mass orders was August. Like, that's right. how recently. So my thing is, like, now today, this is how crazy we are today. Like, today, you know, you would buy, I was going to say a VCR, but you buy these electronic devices, you don't get them fixed. But it used to be, like, now I discovered I, I had a pair of socks on the other day. I had I had a hole in my sock, which I get about twice a year, because uh-huh. I throw them out when they get too gross. I right. think back then you would have clothes. You might have five, ten-year-old underwear, like, as just a matter of course. I, and like you. I say, I think you got wool. You got to dress for work. So if you had to wear a suit to work, not everybody's Jesse Thorne. Not everybody has a lot of fancy suits in, in right. the 40s. You wear the same suit you wore yesterday and the suit that you wore the day before. Also, John, foundation wear. I think for ladies, I mean, I think a lot – if you watch, go back and look at those uh, uh, old – like the shapes that women have are not oh, natural. Sure. No, 10 layers of underwear. Yeah. So so now this is – a lot that, to wash. We're, we're talking about 1940 now, the modern era. Now imagine how people smelled in 1840. I heard that – I've heard – I don't want to – I don't want to sound like I'm looking down my nose at the French because I know that's a thing I do, so to yeah. speak. Yeah. But the but the, I've heard pe- people were pretty stinky back then. Well, a people – A lot of cologne. Are, people are still pretty stinky in France. But, I mean, mm. people everywhere. Like I think this is one of the things that we never talk about when we talk about time travel – I think the most uh, I think the most extraordinary aspect of traveling back in time would be that you would land and immediately you your senses that cannot be conveyed in, by on film like your your smell senses would be assaulted immediately. If Can you, you imagine back what the time. Lower East Side must have smelled like in like the nineteen teens, right? Like the amazing, but like you know when there's a lot of people there. You know, probably not super fancy. You got all those different kinds of ethnic foods going on. People it must are have been overwhelming. Animals like in the streets, right? I mean, you're not Lower East Side. You're not going to the to the local uh, Whole Foods, like Whole Foods, the organic chicken place. You are like grabbing a chicken off the roof or whatever, and and cutting its throat, and then, I mean, you would be the streets would be running with blood and offal and. Uh, and poop, Dookies. poop and pee, mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah, we look at those pictures and we're like, oh wow, simple times, jeez, so simple. Look at the families. I mean, my my the the history or the, my whole uh, my whole story of travel, like the first time I left, because in Alaska, right, or Seattle, or I mean, Seattle was built sort of largely constructed in the last hundred years. San Francisco is older, but Alaska. In, in 1940, Anchorage was like four pup tents and a windmill. <laughs> so the entire city has been built since the advent of every all mod cons, right? So growing up in Anchorage, there was no opportunity to ever smell an open sewer. It just would never happen. And my first experience of going to 
I mean, I, and it really it happened the first time I went to New York City to be in a city full of people and to smell something come up out of a hole in the ground that suggested the the amazing warren of pipes of dookie pipes. Uh, I was, you know, like I, I had to control my retching because I, because the smell was unfamiliar and also I knew what it represented. And then the first time I went to Europe and, you know, the streets of Paris are just strewn with feces. Really? Well, because they don't curb their dogs there, first of all. So it's considered part of being a Parisian that you take your shitty little dog out and walk down the street and just let it shit anywhere. Like that's a, it's, it's actually a, like a, a cultural problem. Why do we keep helping them? <laughs> and they are really adamant about it. And they eat it. Don't they like go to the table at a cafe? Your dog can sit there. Absolutely. Ugh, Absolutely. It's God. part, it's part of the Gallic culture. I don't understand it. I don't, I can't judge. That's, the, that's judge. just, that, that's got to be just, they're being deliberately annoying. They are being deliberately annoying. And there's, so there's poop everywhere. And then also Paris was built by the romans and i'm sure that the i'm sure that the the underlying fundamental foundational sewer system is still roman it's still just like terracotta uh like poop tumblers right you just it's like gravity fed tumble the poop down <laughs> it was let's be honest that's it was pretty advanced for its it time was a, it was incredible 2000 years ago but i'm sure Whatever, you know, anytime you go into a, a, into a European bathroom, the first thing that you're struck by is like, that's your toilet and that's your bathtub. Like, interesting. Like, like so much of so much we share so much with Europe, but the kitchen appliances and the bathroom facilities are always just a little bit off. Like they like somebody was doing a film design and it's, it's kind of like the cars in sleeper. The Woody Allen film, mm-hmm. you know, the, the cars and sleeper are from the future, but you can tell that it's just, it's just like a paper mache car over the top of a, but over the top VW? of a Why do I, remember, I feel like there were VWs in that. Yeah. Maybe under, under some crazy, um, some crazy body, fake body work. And that's what I always feel like when I'm looking at, at a, at a European dishwasher or, or a bathtub, it's just like, Really? Really? Yeah, everything's kind of little. Like, you know, I haven't been to Europe, but I've been to uh, England, and everything seems very compact. The, the thing that strikes me about New York, I haven't been there, I haven't been to Manhattan in a while, but... It, we should change that. You know, you and I should go to Manhattan and do a show. we got to talk about a lot of things. Yeah. I heard you're writing a book. Or, we can cut all this out. Okay. Um, we got a lot to talk about. But um, whenever I go to New York, last time I was there, I was staying in the Garment District, and I, I remember... Uh, you know how like you'll realize something for a long time, and then you find of like finally like realize the name for what it is. It was like, and, and it was like I was in a pretty, God, I was lucky enough to be uh, in a in a pretty quiet hotel, all things considered. But still, you could look out the window, and just all night long, there's something going on all the time mm-hmm. in New York City, and and that's so different from almost anywhere I've ever lived, including San Francisco. As you know, San Francisco, everything closes up pretty early. Yeah, by by really any super normal, annoying, yeah, metropolitan city standards. But it, uh, New York really feels like an organism. It feels like a big, 
breathing, eating, pissing, shitting organism. And like, there's just trucks delivering stuff in crazy places at crazy times and they're hosing down the street. And it really, it feels like a brood. Like there's this, uh, you know what I mean? Like the, the uh, I guess there's probably cities like that in Europe, but New York, uh, Manhattan really feels like that to me. It really feels like, like a giant complex animal that we just happen to be living on for a little while. Yeah. Well, the, 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 the great thing about Manhattan is there are no alleys, right? Most cities that were built in America were built with alleys for delivery and trash <laughs> right? and all the facilities, right? You ever see the all- UPS person in, in Manhattan? <laughs> you're like, Oh my God, you're, you're a fucking wizard. What are you yeah. doing? They all are wizards. Everybody. That They've got the to- same UPS truck. UPS trucks here. They just park wherever they want for as long as they want. And there <laughs> they just, they have to go to the most improbable places in the craziest traffic. I don't know how anyone survives it. Yeah. The, the people there learn to park on top of phone poles because you are <laughs> like, Everywhere you are, it's to talk about keep moving and get out of the way. Like as soon as you stop moving there, you are in 500 people's way. And so everybody just keeps, and, and, and like, like I say, no alleys, no back doors to anything. So all deliveries, all garbage, it all has to come in and out through the same front door that business is being conducted through and everybody's coming in and out at all times. You know, there's no, the city can't afford to rest because there's no such thing as like, ah, just put that out back. We'll, we'll figure it out. Oh, there's, there's no, there's no place like, like here you might say, oh, you know, drop off my delivery, you know, in this, you know, go through this access door and go leave it here in this space. Every, everything's public in some ways. It's all happening. And if you put something out on the sidewalk and go so, back so, inside. Someone will move into it. <laughs> it will go away. Yeah. People are like, hey, look at this. Zoom. And so the, the, uh, yeah, the, the city just, but, but, but I, but I think it's the most amazing place, you know, like at any hour of the, of the day, four o'clock in the morning, you can go only a couple of blocks from where you are, wherever that is, and walk into a place and say, I would like a four course meal. Yeah. I would like chicken parmesan and, Apple pie and decaf coffee and let's say, for instance, uh, calamari, fried calamari. And there will be people there that think that's the most reasonable thing in the world. And they will bring it to you with no comment. And there will be people all around you having similar meals. And you're just like, yeah, it's for, it's, that, that's but, right. You know, that's right, world. Here's what's crazy about that. Um, so like in San Francisco, there's just, I don't know, it, you know, it's a really weird place. Like there's not that many fast food places. There's not that many gas stations. There's all kinds of stuff where like we've let other places take care of that. There's not nearly as much of that kind of stuff. There's a small version of a, of a gas station here and so forth. But like, like in Florida, so that's, that's pretty weird for a, a theoretically metropolitan place. Like in Florida, when I lived in Florida, there were all kinds of places that were open 24 hours. There were like giant, like enormous, like 24 pump gas stations with a blimpies inside that were open fucking 24 hours a day. Walmart, the Walmart is open 24. You can go in and buy a lawnmower in the middle of the night. But here's the difference. So we don't have that here. In Florida, you go there, but you know who's there in the middle of the night? Loonies. Mm -hmm. Like the only people at these places at two in the morning are there for something lurid generally. But the crazy, what you're describing about Manhattan, the part I never could get my head around. 
is exactly what you described. You walk in and there, and, and like you go in and you go like, Hey, I'm drunk guy ordering calamari. No, like it's everybody in there. It's totally normal. It's a, it's a 24 hour town. Yeah. And I have no context for a place where you would just go in and go, you know what? I want to go get some pretty above average Greek food at 4:20 in the morning. Yeah. I've yeah. never experienced that. <laughs> And it would all be, and it would there's, all be crazy be, there's a guy in there working on his novel. There are two sweethearts canoodling in the or corner. Or it's just like two senior citizens, and you're like, what are you doing in yeah, here right. in the middle of the night? <laughs> yeah. That's so suspicious. Everywhere I've ever lived, to be out after dark, it's like the Middle Ages. It's like, why, why would you be at this place now for more than – why would you be anywhere in the middle of the night for an hour unless it was for something really sketchy? Well, and I, and as I drive around my own town in the middle of the night, reflecting on why the fuck everybody is not out hanging out with each other, I can't but come back to that we are all at home watching television. Hmm. Like, it's not that everybody is asleep. It is that everybody is watching, uh, like workout commercials and weight loss commercials alone in their, own little sanctums and not making that small extra effort to go to the one place that is open and just sit and like read a paperback or whatever. If you're up at that hour, at least I like that's the, that is the one time of day I do like to be in a place where there, you know, there's a little hustle bustle and people are around. You mean like a, like a waffle house kind of scene? Well, we don't have waffle houses, but but you know what are, I mean, like someplace like, uh, but someplace where you could go and just like a Denny's type place. Yeah, a little diner. You get a piece of pie with a cup of coffee, and you write in your journal or you read a you read a a, 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 a paperback. I mean, I feel like that experience it is one that we all take for granted. We we all think of as kind of like, oh, that's kind of lonely. Like you're in the middle of the night, you're having a piece of pie, reading a book. But in fact, I think those are the greatest experiences and that we should all seek out that kind of thing because what what we're the thing that that replaces is not sitting around carving a turkey with your family and friends. It replaces sitting in front of a TV watching garbage in the middle of the night you know to to replace tell to, to replace solitary television watching with any other thing is a is a net improvement to replace solitary television watching with a walk around the block to replace solitary television watching with a cigarette out on the back porch shivering in your nightgown is like ultimately i think better for our spirits than than just that that passive TV, I, I uh, and and particularly sitting in a restaurant in the middle of the night and re- writing in your journal and having a piece of pie and a cup of coffee, I mean those are the those are moments I really cherish and 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 uh, and that that whole like I'm dining by myself. Yes, it is a table for one. Yes, like that's a thing I'm I, I I'm I'm always very proud in those moments. Like I am, it is a table for one, sir. Bring me a pie and coffee, mm-hmm. uh, and and people uh, people are are embarrassed to dine by themselves. I guess, but I think it's I think dining by yourself is the ultimate power move, especially if you have a book. Oh, it's you know when when some, when you go in somewhere and you just want to get a meal and they say uh, just one. Yeah, <laughs> I say yes, one uno. I like I, I like eating by myself. I like going to the movies by myself. Going to the movies by yourself is the best. Yeah, 
But I think you're right. I think people that reads as lonely. Well, and I, and I, and I really feel like, I feel like those moments, I mean, not to be too, uh, too like late eighties, early nineties, um, like cherish yourself culture. But, but I really do. <laughs> I, I think I missed that. <laughs> I really do feel like cherish yourself. The, the, the cherish yourself, uh, era. Of like, you remember when the baby boomers really, really first started to to realize that they were, they still didn't believe they were going to die, but they did start to, they did start to, their hair started to fall out. And they, oh, they were the worst. They couldn't see out of their glasses remember that before they anymore. realized they were going to die? Before they realized they All were going to die. All that Smokey Robinson? Ugh. And that's the thing. And they were, and that's when they went through their big, like, we need to cherish ourselves. We, mm. every moment is precious. Like all of that. And of course you and I were 25. 25 years younger than they were and and being given this information like cherish ourselves i hate myself yeah i hate myself as god intended what do you mean cherish myself it's efficient yeah but now i'm starting to see like you know what there are it is you don't have to buy something expensive cherishing yourself is just taking yourself to the fucking movies well i i don't want to sound defensive as, as somebody who enjoys watching extremely good TV and movies at oh, night. Oh, I know. Oh, no, no, no. You are curating your... Uh, well, you your know, my, 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 my taste is outstanding. It's incredible. Um, you should have... There should be there should be an Amazon that is just things that Merlin likes. That's a pretty oh, good wait, idea. And it used to be one. I could do that. Yeah. Uh, I, I, think, um, I think people are just... A lot of people... Uh, I don't want to say that they're scared of being alone. I will say I think people are uncomfortable being seen being alone. And I think that we kind of are meant to feel badly about ourselves if we're in public by ourselves. Like unless you're going to get like a pap smear or an abortion. Listen, or, I, I, I always offer my services to take women to their pap smears be a, or like abortions. A, like a smear buddy? Yeah, you just you don't you don't want to go do that by yourself. I'll go with you to your smear. You know what? That's a nice lobby. thing to I'll, do. I'll be... That's a super nice thing. To do. Somebody who's just there, just there. You know, you could sit there and you could read a fishing magazine in the uh, in the lobby while it's happening. I've got, I've gone with some friends to their abortions and sat in the sat in the uh, armored lobby <laughs> with every other woman in the place, really, really glaring, humming a really, Ben Fold song really to yourself, <laughs> glaring at me while I read Women's Wear Daily. <laughs> And uh, because that is a thing where you need a, you really do need a friend, and often the culprit is not a friend. Well, I, I, I was, I wasn't saying ladies who get abortions are lonely. Just that no. I think that we're supposed to feel like you know. Again, this is just well. There's another part of this, uh, which is that suburban culture, which is like when I was a kid, if you wanted to go to Denny's, you would get in a car and drive to Denny's. Like, why is there a 19-year-old kid who has driven to Denny's in the middle of the night? Now, if you want to go in, go out and get a kebab at four in the morning, there's a pretty good chance you could walk there in, yeah. in, in 10 or 15 minutes. Huge difference. It's one reason I put up with so much horse shit in this stupid town I live in is because it is pretty walkable and pretty, you know, public transitable. And, and given that I'm advancing in years and, and don't need to go out in, in the middle of the night, it would actually make school drop off the next morning kind of hard. Still, I, I like that that's, I like that I can walk places. I don't like having to get in a car. I, I despise having to get in a car to go somewhere and do a thing and then drive back. I, yeah. I, I did that for so many years and it just became in Florida. That's what we did. You know, I've told you this when we went to go buy records, we had to drive to Tampa, Florida <laughs> to buy records. <laughs> we had to drive 40 minutes to buy records. Yeah. And, and now like, like today that seems, I understand why that's the way it is. 
but it's kind of a bummer. Yeah. Well, and, and you're talking about my life now because, because uh, as I've said before, like the one thing that I, the one thing that I failed to take into consideration when I bought my house was mm-hmm. that I would have to drive and I, the end that I did not like, I love to drive for sport. I hate to drive out of necessity. Same, same here. Yeah. And you really, there's, uh, I don't want to provide triangulation. Oh, it's all right. They all know where I live because they're putting super train stickers on all my stop signs now. Creepy. Uh, there's that, there's that one weird little shop near you, which is useless. You totally useless. They don't have half and half. They don't have half and half. All they sell is Fago and Cools. Do I? lottery tickets do i remember correctly they didn't know what half and half was when never you heard of it never heard of it wasn't interested in learning about it i was like it comes out of a cow but yeah you know, but you, you're a good driver you like to drive and you're not drinking and stuff so you can well, like I, I love to drive but the problem is I, the problem is everybody wants to have a fucking meeting and they all want to have fucking meetings on the other side of town so i'm always that's like, half a day that is I'm half a day just like you had you have to have a meeting i don't want to have a meeting I just send me the just send me the the liner notes. Give me the PowerPoint. Yeah, like what 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 are we talking about? Is there something I can say yes or no to? But no, it's a it's a it's a freaking meeting. You got to be there. And so I'm in the car, and and it and and the traffic is so capricious. Like eleven thirty on a Wednesday, it takes me five minutes to get to town. Eleven thirty the next day on a, a, absolutely same conditions, and it's stop and go traffic for an hour. Oh, that makes me insane. It's just crazy making. And, and so I, so I look at my, I look at my house and I'm like, I want to live here. I want to fix this house up. I want to, I can see myself living here for 20 years. It's a, it's a, my mortgage payment is inexpensive. I have a lot of property. I, uh, you got, you got room to grow. I got plenty of room here. I can have a, I can have a room just to practice the viola. Uh, as John Hodgman describes his, his, his uh, childhood home. He said there was a room in my house where uh, the, the whole purpose of the room was for me to practice the viola. And I, and I and I and I like that. I admire that a viola practice room. Hmm. But I am consigning myself to this drive, this this drive, or to being like a like a weird hermit. The internet does not provide me. I cannot be a person who just sits and lives on the internet. I just can't do it. Mm, you sure about that? Does that include your phone? Have you? Well, my fucking phone. See, you 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 act like you're some cat lady sitting there with your PC. Mm-hmm. But you toot a lot. Did I, I, the, I? I've been having I've been having some very strong feelings lately, Merlin. That mm. the that the internet, in particular, the internet that I li- live in, which is the Twitter net, and that expanded kind of into the Instagram net with a with like a hail mary pass once a week to the Facebook net. That this world is now greatly diminished from what it was a year ago. <laughs> and I know that you being an early adopter of all these technologies have already felt I'm a, sympathetic. A, have already felt the great sorrow <laughs> of how very, much yeah. worse it is than yeah. it was. But you know, I am I am one of those people who actually has a career that he is like I'm trying to provide as you know top shelf free content. Yeah. I, I I would never do that. But but I'm also trying to, like, the, it, Twitter is the only way I have to tell people that I'm playing a show. And playing a show is the only way I have to connect with people outside of Twitter. And I've noticed just recently, like, I'm trying to promote things. And 
Facebook has put up all those firewalls where your posts no longer go to your friends. Yeah, I've heard about this. It sounds because really weird. It's the worst. It's just like, oh, you have you have uh, five thousand friends, and when you so like, post- so like five people could look at a page and see different things. Well, what happens is you know their timeline is going by, and Facebook used to put my little tweets in the timeline of everybody that follows me or everybody that friends me or whatever. But then Facebook realized that people like me were promoting their shows by sending out Facebook. I mean, not, not like private messages or anything, but, but just, just tweeting about it or just Facebooking about it. And now Facebook takes like 70% of your friends. It just doesn't show them all your posts. What? Yeah. How does it decide? It just randomly decides. And it says, if you want all your posts to go to all your friends, it costs you $99. Are you kidding me? I am not kidding you. Is that real? This is how they're trying to make money. Oh, boy. And so I'm sorry I'm missing out on that. (laughs) I know. So I hear from people all the time. Somebody came up to me the other day and they were like, I used to love your Facebook posts. Why did you stop? And I said, I didn't stop. Facebook just stopped showing them to you. The pictures got small. And they were like, really? Oh. Nobody, that's the thing. Nobody knows about it. So, so, but I'm noticing, like, I send out a thing that used to generate a lot of interest. And I used to feel like, oh, the internet is a comfortable place for me now. I have transitioned away from needing magazines to write about my band. I can just write about my own band and, and promote myself. In the intervening four or five years since I've been on Twitter, everybody in the world is trying to promote their cat videos, and no one has any attention span for it. Nobody has any, nobody, I mean, nobody goes and reads their Twitter feed anymore. Your Facebook feed is all gamed, and I'm, and, and I no longer feel like I am effectively communicating with people that want to find me. Oh, yeah. People that are listening to our podcast are doing it because they are they have drank the Kool-Aid, they are ruined forever, and like they just sit pulling on their fingers and waiting for more information. But the but the majority of the people I never I to- never thought of it that way. <laughs> the, the majority of people out there that I'm trying to reach that are just like normal ticket buyers and people that have not yet uh, the people that have like tasted, smelled the Kool Aid, but haven't had a taste of it yet, like those people, it's it's just getting lost in the. I mean, just the people I follow. I mean, just just Paul and Storm's Kickstarters are taking up three quarters of my Twitter feed. Like people are, everybody everybody wants your attention. Everybody is asking for money. Everybody is making a new thing that they're very excited about, and. There is no distinction between me who makes things professionally and the guy next door who makes things to keep the demon dogs from from filling his head with screaming and howling. <laughs> and his promoted, you know, if he pays $99 to Facebook, everybody sees his post. So I, so anyway, I'm feeling like, oh, the internet, it's it has legitimately moved on from... I mean, I remember when I joined Twitter, you and your old cadres were already like, Twitter's dead. Twitter's dead. It used to be so great. 
but now I really do feel like there is no what what seemed like you could run an economy, you could run a business this way. It's all gone, or it's it's ebbing. And I don't know what the next thing is. Or do we go back to blogging? Yeah. Do I design an app? Do I, do I design a, do I design an app that every time I fart in a glass, it goes onto your phone? That's pretty good. It's a lot of farting in glass. <laughs> you should get somebody to prototype that <laughs> fart glass. It's F R T G L S. Fartglass.co. I'll get a Lonely Sandwich to do a promotional video for Good him. luck. That guy's busy. I love Well, <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts on this. Yes. None of them are interesting, but I'll, no. I'll give you a couple quickies. Um, well, first of all, it's funny that like you would like look at uh, Cat Video Guy and now like you know, you go like, hey, well, hey, like I'm John Roderick and like I actually make stuff. Well, it's funny because like five or eight years ago, you know, you were the underdog. Uh-huh. Whereas, you know, there's the big companies out there that are like buying the ads in, in Rolling Stone and there was these all these bands doing this skunk works thing and they were the underdogs. So it's funny to me that today a um you know, relatively successful independent artist could look at the cat video people and see like, Hey, you're eating off my plate. Like what's, what's going, what's going on with this? You're not, you're not, not releasing records. What are you doing? How dare you? Hey, listen, if I'm going to sustain this not releasing records career, I need all the bandwidth I can get. Also, I would just like to say it is completely insane to use a service that doesn't do what you expect. Like Facebook, I, I don't want to get into Facebook because who cares? But no, like, you know, eventually you will all not care as much as I don't care, and you'll be so much happier. But you know, it just seems so weird to me. Like it seems like Facebook is predicated on this weird shell game about expectations. It yeah. seems so strange to me that you would like, regardless of whatever their model is, that you would post stuff that wouldn't appear somewhere. Like, and you don't know which or so, when. That's so that the, sounds like the definition of madness to me. This is what's confusing. I guess what's confusing is that I had a brief moment there where being pithy with no expectations generated interest, created an I, There was an audience for it. And I was like, that's all you you and I and all of our friends have ever wanted is like can we get paid to just hang out and have uh, hang out in a chinese restaurant and and uh and and just talk funny about uh about rock and roll isn't that isn't that the dream job though that's all we ever wanted and there was mm-hmm. a brief moment there where like we were basically all hanging out at a chinese restaurant talking about rock and roll and and it generated an audience and for a for a for and I was stupid enough to think like this is this will last, uh, and so now I'm yeah I'm back into the like oh shit I gotta make something I gotta make something that like that I gotta make something that's bit that that rises up above the din. Well, I mean I, I'm sympathetic though because you know I hate to admit it but I feel the same way I uh, I don't check in on my Twitter timeline like I used to now I will kind of I, I am like beyond okay to just let the whole thing go by. And I'll pop in a couple times a week and go, oh, that's funny. And favored, favored that, you know, and like, oh, that's funny or retoot or whatever. But, um, the, but I no uh, longer, you know, if I'm going to San Francisco, all I do is I tweet, I'm going to San Francisco, see you guys there, with the assumption that all my friends are watching my Twitter to see what I'm doing. And then when I get to San Francisco and I'm like, where's everybody? Uh, 
and then I realized, oh, nobody is watching Twitter anymore. Nobody is nobody. And, and I don't, I have not either gone back to actually texting and emailing my actual friends or figured out a new way to, I mean, that was what Twitter was originally designed right. to do, right? Yeah, Say, absolutely. I'm yes. I'm, I'm, I'm just at, anything that Twitter was for, that was kind of it. I'm at this bar tonight, you know, and all your friends would see it. Right. And that gets me to the second point, which is, uh, uh, going to be frustrating because it's, it's more of a, just a restatement of the problem. But, um, when, um, my mom bought a house uh, when we were when I was ten, and she did something that was really really strange. By Burned my mom, it down immediately. <laughs> it's all the dirty thoughts were inside. She, but she did something that was very strange by my mom's standards. We, you know, we had a very we didn't have a lot of dough, but she did one of those weird single mom things uh, that that still seems really strange, but and yet very interesting. Which was that, like, we didn't even have, we didn't have a touchtone phone, but we had an office phone, like a business phone in our kitchen. So on the wall in our kitchen, we had a phone and it had a hold button and it, it had, you know, like you think about those, remember those old phones where you got the, on the left, you got the hold button and then you got the first line, second line and Absolutely. so on and number of lines. Hold line is, or the hold button is red. And yeah, then exactly. And then those are white. Are white. Yeah. yeah. In, uh, in 1976, we had a home line and a business line in Whoa. our house, which is like, like you could see somebody like fancy having that, but this is our $28,000 house in Cincinnati. My mom had this, <laughs> she had a, a personal line and a business line. And it was such an interesting idea because, you know, for her real estate business, if anybody needed to call her, it was, of course, years and years before mobile phones, was they could call her, they, she had her work number, and she, and she had this, like, home business number. And there were very different rules. I, I was, you know, never, ever to use the, the business line for stuff because that's not what it was for. Right. And you're kind of... Like that, that seems so exotic to me. Like you think about being, think about how you were when you were 10 years old and the idea of like having the phone in your kitchen have a hold button. Nobody had that when we were kids. Absolutely unheard of. And the problem is like your Twitter is like, first of all, it doesn't have a hold button, but it does have like, it should have numerous white buttons, but it's really just one big white button. So you're yeah, using it. Right. You're, you're using it to talk to your friends. You're using it to be funny to strangers. You're using it to promote your business. You are using it to talk about politics, and sometimes you're using it to bitch about how the door on the plane just closed. And you know, all of the people who follow you are seeing theoretically all of those, and so you know. Part of what made that so great was it, it is so simple. I mean, the rules of Twitter are just wonderfully simple. But I think you're running up against what a lot of people run up against, which is like, how do you, how can you be a real person on there with just that one big white button? But that, that integration of all those different realms was, was the primary revolution for me. Because before that, you know, the challenge I always felt was my songs are a place that where I'm where I'm very passionate and I write about my feelings and I write about girls and I write about being disappointed and I write about being uh you know lonely and scared they are not especially funny songs they aren't especially they're not political songs they aren't um you know the and and I always felt like when my songs were my only ambassador to the world that 
I had all this other pent up energy and desire to be understood. And unlike a lot of my peers, I mean, a lot of the guys I know are just like, I don't like doing interviews. I let the songs speak for me. You know, the songs will speak for themselves. And I was absolutely the opposite. I was like, please give me an interview so I can contextualize this music in a, in the larger picture of like how I see the world. And Twitter was the first time I had, I had access to people who were interested in my songs and wanted to know more where I could just speak directly across, you know, and, and yes, get into fights with Hilton hotels and yes, talk about things late at night and make jokes, uh, you know, and, and that integration, that one button was like, I felt like, Oh, finally, I didn't want, I didn't want my songs to be this separate realm. Um, because every time, every time I would read a review about my music where they were like, well, this guy obviously doesn't know how words work. He's, his music is just, you know, he's just throwing random words at a, a dartboard. I was like, you fucking idiot. How can you, I mean, how could you listen to my music and think that? And ever since Twitter, I have felt very confident that even a cursory search, if you are interested in the long winters, a cursory search will, will deliver a person to a place where the whole spectrum is at least available to see. And the idea that, that I would have to start cutting that up again and say like, because, you know, I own at the long winters and at long winters. I have those Twitter accounts and I've never used either one of them. I wanted them so nobody else would take them, but I didn't want to have a band account that was just like, Come into your town. Well, and there's a, there's a, there's like, uh, let's be honest. It's a, there's a strategic reason for not doing that. You, you, uh, Raz, your, your, your good friend, Mr. Hodgman, about wanting to convert his Twitter following into a Tumblr following. Yeah. But that, that, you know, when you, when you Raz, like, that's what you're talking about here is like, I, I, I have like probably 15 different Twitter handles for different things, uh-huh, uh-huh. but there's not that much point to it because for whatever inexplicable are you, reason, are you fake hot dogs, ladies. Oh, I'm a lot of them. I'm fake Merlin. I'm nice Merlin. I don't think I'm fake <laughs> hot dogs, ladies. If it's not funny, it's not me. Okay. Uh, all of mine are funny yeah. uh, and not updated <laughs> as you do. <laughs> uh, but I, uh, but you know, I could do that, but you know, the, 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 percentage of people who would go and follow that particular thing would be far less than one percent of the yeah. following that i get with this this one that's already been sort of established or whatever yeah. so i mean there's a business reason for not doing that but also everything you described right there that would work not to get all malcolm gladwell that would work up to 150 or 200 people mm-hmm. maybe 500 people depending on how active they were but after that point you have, I mean, I know you know this, but you have to remember that everything you say on there, regardless of which mask you're wearing at the time or which persona you're speaking in or which uh, business you're speaking in service of, you know, the, the, the person who follows you, like the extremely small number of people who follow you because of your politics, um, hey. I'm, I'm assuming, <laughs> sorry, for now, for now. <laughs> But I mean, all the people who would follow along because of some squirrely political belief you have could care less about who, hey. whether <laughs> you can't be helped. Could care less who you're playing with tonight. 
They, yeah. I mean, like, why aren't you talking more about this thing that I like? You yeah. know, that's the problem is that like, it, but we, we all act so surprised when that happens. Well, it's like we, we deliberately, you know, created this one place where you could find out all of these things, but then we seem really confused that people want different things out of it. And right. it's, it's, I agree with you. It's just that it got big and like we had the curse of this thing becoming bigger than we expected. And then it didn't. So, I mean, like I personally, I've made my peace with that. Like to me, it's just a funny joke platform. It's not going to be a place where like I, I talk about too many intricate details of my life because that doesn't scale. Right. But you are developing a new platform somewhere where you can talk about comic books. I, I hear the rumblings. Am I? I hear the rumblings in the streets. Mm. I I know that you cannot continue to not have a place to talk about comic books. I wouldn't call it a platform. I call it a bus stop. (laughs) And so, I mean, you're absolutely right. I would not. uh, The only reason, the only, only, there are only five people in the world that really want to hear every single thing I say. (laughs) Two Uh, of them are you. (laughs) What? Two of them are me. One of them is my mom. (laughs) And then two other, you know, and then two stalkers. But, uh, but and and I know that because like I follow a lot of my friends and and uh, there and every one of them has a place in their in their core interests where I go oh my god not this again but at the same time like ah uh, that desire to be a, a to be an integrated person and to take your to take your party to the world like. I mean, and I guess that I guess the reason that television or or radio or books or any media is is such a narrow aperture is that, for the love of God, nobody wants to have everything from from any one person. I mean, if the, the, I guess a novel or a or a, a like journal writing would be the closest would be the most. Um, the closest you could get, but you know, but you might love love name, uh, Norman Mailer's books, but you don't want to like be with him. I like Hitler's want... paintings, but I uh, don't want his recipes. Hitler's paintings. Did I tell you that I went through a phase where I thought maybe I was going to buy a Hitler painting? I would love to hear about that. I I realized that you can go online. It's a dark, dark corner of the internet, but there is a dealer that specializes in Hitler watercolors. And they're not they're not his best work. All of all of Hitler's great, you know, like big full size canvases of oh, pro- like, probably destroyed, huh? No, 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 no. They are they are held in private collections. Hmm. They are um Really? I'm surprised the Allies would let those uh live. Well, this is the thing. They are I mean, there is this there is this world of people that collect fucked up shit. And Hitler paintings is one of those things where you don't publicize it. It's not a thing that you can really be above ground about. But there are people that have big Hitler paintings on the wall. And their value is, at least right now, their value is still very purient. You know what I mean? Like, it is, it's still not okay to have a Hitler painting. Now, maybe a hundred years it's from It's like owning Jane Mansfield's scarf or something. It's something, or, you know, Ed Gein's or, car. Yeah, or worse, like owning Jane Mansfield's tooth. You know, where it's like, what? How did you get that? Oh, well, I kind of can't talk about it, but it's, you know, like, here's Jane Mansfield's tooth because during her autopsy, like, some 
unscrupulous doctor pulled it and sold it to a guy like a Hitler, a Hitler, a Hitler painting. And and I, and I believe that there will come a time when, when, when those are, I mean, because like a painting by uh, Napoleon or even a painting by um, who, who's like a, who is a dastardly person from history that's been dead long. John Wayne Gacy. Well, but even Gacy paintings like that. He, he now, realized that was an industry. He did. And the people that own Gacy paintings are a particular type of roller derby boyfriend. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> <coughs> you know, uh-huh. but, but that's like the, 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 those people have all the, the research, uh, you know, modern primitive books on their shelves and they <laughs> yeah, own a gay painting and they think that, yeah. the, that they're, that they're edgy, but like a Hitler painting, first of all, is a, is a more expensive proposition and also, you know, a pretty ugly thing in the sense that even if it's a, a watercolor of a stream running through a forest, every time you look at it, you have to say, why do I have that? Oh, that's right. It was, I mean, he, he wasn't, he wasn't that good, right? Hitler. I mean, he's, he's, he is, He's a better painter than half the paintings that are on the wall of my house that I bought at thrift stores for five dollars. Would Jason I mean, Finn buy a Hitler? No, Jason Finn likes modern art, mm. and Hitler is you know it's like pretty, pretty uh, art school watercolors, like pastoral. Yeah, right. Or you know, or he was really good at architecture. He was really bad at figure drawing. So, so he painted a lot of buildings. <laughs> Boy, that's ironic. <laughs> it Isn't really it? is. Yeah, think about it that. Really is, and I would love. I would love a catalog. He got. Of, he he got the idea of a good looking Berlin, but he just couldn't get people. I would love. I would. Oh my god! Hang on, just a second. Long bell. Uh, I he. I would love a catalog of all the buildings in Munich and Vienna that Hitler painted that were destroyed in the war. Wow. He's much better than I thought. Well, see? Wow. So, so Hitler, I mean, his perspective's pretty good. And the, the, for the problem, that, you know, what they say is if Hitler had, if you could go back in time, all, you'd, all you would do is go tell Hitler what a good painter he was and, uh, and, and avert the war. Tell like, Hitler's father what a good painter he is. He was, you know, Hitler was, was criticized by his harsh art school teachers who said, you will never be a good painter. This is no good. This is terrible. But in fact, he he should have just set up a easel in like the the like the, the uh, German version of Fisherman's Wharf. Yeah, exactly. The, the das, das, das Fisherman's Wharf. <laughs> and uh, and sat and painted painted buildings and watercolors all day. He was fine. But in any case, I I there was a period there where I had you know a little extra money lying around, and I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy a painting by Hitler. And. <laughs> Then, thank I, God for your moments of repose. Then I put a I put a little square on the wall, and I was like, "Okay, that's your Hitler painting." Now, every time you walk past there and you look at that, and you think that's a Hitler painting, how do you feel? Yeah. Right. And I walked I walked by and I looked at this square on the wall for a couple of weeks, and every time I looked at it, I was like, "What the fuck is that square? Oh, that's my Hitler painting. Oh, Hitler painting. <laughs> that's my Hitler painting. That's not cool." 
That's not cool, dude, to have a Hitler painting. <laughs> Ladies. People are, are going to be creeped out. Yeah, there's going to be a girl that comes over and she's like, and the problem with the Hitler painting is you don't have it and then keep it a secret. No, right? that's, girl, not, that's, that's the whole point. A girl comes over and she's like, oh, what's this painting? And you go, that's my Hitler painting. <laughs> well, actually, that's by Adolf Hitler. And then she's going to get her coat and she's going to walk out of the house without another thing, without another word, because that's fucked up. Yeah. And so I did not get a Hitler painting. But I really thought about it for a while because the because they're so fraught, like it's all in the painting. You, he, there he was, and he was like, this is what I'm going to do. I am going to be a great one of these painters. And then he was not. And then he, and then he killed the million, millions of people. Yeah. Uh, and destroyed all of Europe. And so... I don't know. It's like a what I what I get a stall I think I would I think I would be more likely to have a Stalin painting because even though Stalin killed more people mm-hmm. there's just a you know you get the you get the sense of Stalin you don't you don't get the Hitler stigma. He's not quite so Hitlery Stalin. No. And I mean we don't live in a world where Stalin's crimes really touched us as much but you know stalin just seemed like he was doing the best he could and and was a paranoid sociopath i like to see what the, that guy in turkmenistan i like to see what he, he could come up with remember him the guy who it's named a, all the months after his family and stuff sure like that? he's still around he's not gone he, oh is he, he still in power yeah, and he keeps he's build he's building like his own Brasilia. You know the story of Brasilia where they were like, We're gonna build a, a modern capital and we're gonna put it out in the middle of the jungle in a place where no one should ever build a city and it's gonna be this amazing campus. Like a Fitzcarraldo kind of thing? Yeah, have you ever seen pictures of the of the city of Brasilia? No, no, I don't know it. Well, Brasilia is the capital of Brazil and it was built out of whole cloth to be like a representative of Brazil into the future. And it looks like Epcot center. No, it looks like, <laughs> it looks like the world's fair of 1939, but it's an actual city um, where government work is supposed to get done. And the guy in Turkmenistan is building like his capital looks like it really looks like the strip in Las Vegas. There's a pyramid, there's an Eiffel tower, uh, you know, like the 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 library, his, the 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 official library of Turkmenistan is like a one quarter size moon. <laughs> it looks one, like one, a Shakey's pizza. <laughs> one quarter size crystal moon. <laughs> uh, it's just it's it's an insane. It's just insane, and it's like it's like I, don't, I didn't know he was still around. He was real hot for a while. Do you remember you would hear about him? I know it's not the thing is I know it's not jokey. I know he's actually also like a, a horrible person. It's not just that he's silly, but he's really really silly. Am I right? Yeah. yeah didn't no, he like? Didn't he do like the like like beyond Mao? Like didn't he do incredibly capricious things with naming things and? Yeah, he's bad, and he makes everybody in his country, uh, you know, like wear a hat on Tuesdays that's shaped like a flower. I mean, he's 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 fully bonkers. But the thing the thing about a guy like that and 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 his insanity and probably the brutality that's just under the surface is that we give such a pass to Dubai and oh, right. the emirs of uh, of the Persian Gulf. I don't think they get the pass that they used to. But yeah, you're right. 
But you know, like we we are allowing that we are we are globally allowing that. Oh, that is a valid banking center. Oh, NYU is opening a campus there. Apparently, the Louvre is opening a branch Louvre in Dubai. There, you know, like we are, we are, we are as a people, as a global people, rewarding the insanity of Dubai, which is, which is, you know, slightly more obviously liberal than Turkmenistan, but just as bonkers. Right. I mean, the the capital programs, and I'm, and I can only imagine like what the immigrant workers are being treated like there. So it's a, it's another, it's another like. Uh, kind of now we now we love Saddam Hussein now we hate him now we love uh, Bin Laden now we hate him it's like right now these these guys are our friends these these crazy despots are, it would have been are, so nice to be an anti-communist lunatic in the 60s and 70s can, can you imagine how much like awesome free shit you could have gotten think about how many lunatics we supported just because they were against communism Right. Yeah. Sure. Like, like Ferdinand Marcos. Like, or, if you were just vetting, sitting around one afternoon, like vetting the Shah, uh, Marcos, uh, any number of people in Central America. Pinochet. Yeah. Oh my God! Unbelievable. Well, well you could that, have, ha- that could have really been in your wheelhouse back then, John. That happened in America too. I know a guy who was a Soviet scholar in the sixties, seventies, and eighties. He was a. An Is this the acad- guy who told you the truth about uh, the, the 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 truth you didn't want to hear about uh, believing the Soviets were a threat? Oh. There's, there's a guy you mentioned a, a few few months ago who you talked to who told you that they, uh, people actually were convinced that the Soviets were uh, capable of more than. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I'm not sure that guy. The guy I'm talking about was a was a an academic who had a career that, you know, took him to the state department even. And, um, and he was a guy who I can, I mean, I'm, I'm not embarrassed to say, uh, should never have been given any portfolio of any kind. (laughs) Okay. That's a different person. Because this guy, uh, was a, you know, he was a Soviet scholar and his entire scholarship was based on his, conviction that the soviets were godless heathens and yet he had teaching positions in major universities right and was sent around the sound the around the world including to the soviet union for uh years and learned to speak russian and was a person who was like like living and studying the soviets and yet never sh- was never was shaken for a moment from his complete conviction that they were that they, that it was a completely bankrupt uh system and culture and people and you know he was just a bigot or a, he was a he was a paranoid bigot but because his because in academia there was a there was a need you know, there there were there were all these people from from Air America or whatever wandering around Berkeley campus in nineteen sixty eight trying to find one person <laughs> that felt like that felt like communism was bad. And when that person you know, when some some uh 
somebody showed up in a three-piece suit with a pocket protector and said, communism is godless. They were like given an, an immediate chairmanship. And this guy had a, had an entire career. And I mean, uh, you know, he's a nice enough guy, but he should not have ever, he should have been on, on the lunatic fringe. Um, but he, but because he chose academia and there was, and I'm absolutely sure. And he, he is blind to it. He is oblivious to the fact that his entire career was a CIA. He, he, didn't, he was not actually working for the CIA, but they were, they had to have been the reason that he ever got a job or was ever promoted. The, the, the timing favored him. Yeah, well, the, yeah, exactly. Like he was, he was the Ferdinand Marcos of the oh, University of Maryland. I get it. Or whatever he was, just he was. A, <laughs> he, was a, he probably doesn't phrase it that way on his resume. No, and he and he. The thing is, he's, he's unaware of it. He was a bad academic, and 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 yet he continued to work. And I'm sure he was marginalized by his colleagues, but he continued to work because a guy in a blue suit showed up at the president of the university's office and said, "Right." This guy has a lot of interesting ideas, and I really think that you would benefit from giving him this chaired position as he slides a brown envelope across the desk. Wow. You know, and that had to be going on everywhere, and it, and it, you know, and it goes on still. It's basically the, it's the same idea as, as, um, as all these museums devoted to intelligent design. We're teaching the controversy, sliding oh, a brown envelope across the desk. Can I ask you a question? Of course. So, in the fullness of time, well, you tell me, uh, you had that rectangle on your wall, and you realized, yeah. I don't want this to be my Hitler painting. Right. What did you do with the space? Did you fill it with something else, or did you just leave it blank in memory, or what did you do? Well, here's the, here is my current problem, which is that I have a lot of visual art that does not quite rise up to the level of actual art. Like Jason Finn's house, as I've spoken about many times, and Chris Ballou's house too, the, the, both, of the, both of my you know, main bros in the presence of the USA have houses full of really cool art. Jason's house is mostly art paintings. Chris Ballou's house is like really a, a wonderfully curated collection of like raw art um, you know, and handicrafts and so forth that are, that are like fantastic. And my house is really much more of a junk pile of garbage that, you know, that I would see, but, 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 but honestly, like I'm sitting in my room right now, I'm looking at a giant fabric, a giant flag that says Bota Comunista that I tore down off of a balcony in Barcelona in 1989 and got chased through the streets by the police and it is four foot square and then i have a painting an oil painting that an ex-girlfriend did of herself on paper and gave me at gunpoint that i could never throw away because i think it's wonderful i have a a poster of a 1970s playmate taking her shirt off in a in a wheat field and that poster has been lacquered to a board, and then the edges of the board are burned. Mm, I know that look. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a rope where I have clothes pinned 
a bunch of baseball hats to the rope. That's my baseball hat storage hack. Is a is a hanging a rope and then close pinning baseball hats to That's it. a good hack. Mm-hmm. I have a Melvin's Nirvana Dwarves Derelicts poster. Um, I've got a wonderful single of Adriano Celentano's Prison Colon Ensenon Oh, Cusel. I love that song. You, you turned me on to that. <laughs> that was Prison sent to me Colon by a girl who listens to our podcast. No way. Yeah, you get stuff? Who, a girl in, who lives in Italy who found it, or or maybe she ordered it from Italy. Oh, my God. It's a I real love Italian that video. 45. Yeah. Um, I have a wind, uh, one of those, uh, like wind, what the fuck is it called? It's, um, it's, it's, it goes up on top of a, a barn. Uh, a, a As, wind vane? No. A wind, a, oh, a weather vane. Weather I have vane. a, yeah. I have a weather vane. <laughs> uh, I have a, a rack of Varney sunglasses in every different color. Like, so none of this is garbage to me. I could sit and talk about every one of these items, but they all, um, taken together do not a form a collection of any kind Hmm. b none of them and no single one of them has any intrinsic value at all it's it's all just crapola oh god and there this is just hard to listen to john there's not enough space don't you are your playboys over on like a big speaker does my playboys are on a speaker okay uh, there, there wouldn't be enough space in a Boeing aircraft hangar to put all of it on the wall at once. Um, and and honestly, like I, none of it actually broadcasts any kind of aesthetic other than this person has twenty four different voices in his head at all times, talking to him, in, in, talking to him in various accents, and telling him to do hello. things. <laughs> oh, hello, my friend. Hello. Why are you not putting this on the wall? Like I have, I, I have thought they were going to put on the record. I have two different. I'm looking now across the room. I have two different frames, picture frames. One of them has all of the coins in circulation in 1941 <laughs> in a, in a picture frame. Uh-huh. Each one with a little hand typed label underneath them. Saying 1941 Liberty Walking Dollar, 1941 Mercury Dime. That's in a picture frame. And then I have another picture frame, but not a matching picture frame. A, a completely, the, the, the first one is like brushed aluminum. The second one is totally Baroque brass frame that has all of the coins that my great uncle brought back from the Merchant Marines. When he was when he went on his world tour in 1937. Now, the coin the coinage value of those things is a thing that has value. You could take those to a, you could take them out of the frames and take them and sell them individually for the value of their coins. But, but as as displays, yeah, they just say these are on the wall of the house of a crazy person. They say, uh, <laughs> not, not desissant so much as lessissant. <laughs> so, so I don't know. I'm trying to, I'm really trying to get a handle on it. There's a, there's the old Alaska license plate from my Vespa. So do, are you looking for something that pulls it all together? Like, do you need like a focal I, I, piece? You need like a Sunday in the park kind of no, like, I think I need a Hitler painting. I yeah. should have bought a Hitler painting. If I had a Hitler painting, it would be. It would be the crazy at the center. It would of the make cycle. everything a little more edgy too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then people would be like, "Oh, the, that that Merchant Marine coin collection has takes on a new strange vibration." 
the Hitler painting would have been over there by the by the plane. It would be a little bit of an art hack, but but if you did it, I think you could really pull the room together. I think the other problem was that all that once I saw the Hitler paintings that were not available, that because they were in private collections, and then the paltry offerings that you could still buy. I was like, I don't want a substandard Hitler. What if you painting. had somebody do a uh, reproduction for you? Well, I am. I am what, what if it's a bad a... person? What if a bad person did it? Hmm. No, like a really bad. But like, what if you found like an extremely gifted artist who was an extremely bad person and and had them do it for you? Hmm. I don't mind that. Like Donald Rumsfeld did a imitation <laughs> Hitler painting. <laughs> I would fucking hang the shit out of that on my wall. Right. We go with the Hitler painting we've got, not the Hitler painting. That's right. we uh, you know what? In fact, I I now <laughs> I never would have thought of this, yeah. but now I want some Donald Rumsfeld art. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs>